We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to 21 Questions here on KC Sports Network. I'm Jordan Foote, and I've got Joel Penfield here with me. We're going to answer some questions today brought to you by McAdoodles. Joel, we're both liquor guys. We're both beer guys. We're both spirits guys. I'm not so much wine guys. I don't think, Joel, are you No, not a wine guy. No matter what you're looking for, though, our good friends at McAdoodles have you covered this month opening in Lee Summit. That announcement is coming very soon. McAdoodles, best customer service around, best selection around. All the good stuff is at McAdoodles. So very grateful um, for McAdoodles sponsoring this pod and bringing us 21 questions, bringing you 21 questions, and bringing me, Joel, here to chop it up about all things Chiefs, all things Royals. Um, we kind of have both of those bases covered, I think, for this one, right? Yeah, we, we're going to so. end with some Royals. We got we got a pretty equal amount of stuff here. I'm, I'm excited to talk a little Chiefs, too. I love, I love talking about the Chiefs, so I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just kick it off. Um, brought to you by McAdoodles again. Thank you, guys. Jackie Virgo, if the Chiefs make a move for a pass rusher before the deadline, who is a reasonable acquisition? And I pause after reasonable because... There have been a lot of names, <coughs> Brian Burns, <laughs> um, that people are talking about. Unrealistic, I think. So, like, if you had to put a percentage on it, um, this is my question to you. How realistic is that? 5%? Yeah, I'd say like 5 or 10%. But I also wouldn't put it past Brett Veach to still make the swing on that move. Sure. Um, I, and especially because you still would have Burns beyond this year. I think the cap hits around $16 million and. You know, we know Veach is a cap wizard. They'd find a way to make it work because uh, it's not like the cap really exists anyway. Your beloved Rams have made that very clear. Mm-hmm. Realistic options, though, I think Robert Quinn is still out there. He's still putzing around with the Bears. He's having a solid year. Um, that's certainly a more realistic option. The Bears aren't really going anywhere. I don't really know of any other marquee names that are going to be out there f- 
you know, from teams that aren't very good. I'm, I'm not sure. I know, I know, I think Robert Quinn feels like the name that everybody's going to be going after if they can't get Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got four. Um, Duran Payne from Washington, okay, interior yeah. defensive lineman. Matt Ioannidis from the Panthers, another interior guy. Um, Itor Gross Matos, who is a oh, that's a good buy low candidate. Twenty draft mm-hmm. pick. Yeah, um, he hasn't really panned out yet. So another Panthers guy I could see some team offering a low round pick for maybe a change of scenery candidate. Um, Jerry Hughes, fairly big uh, name, yeah. I think, also on a bad Texans team. Those are four guys I think could help the Chiefs. Um, the interior guys I kind of am iffy on because you have yeah. Colin Saunders who's already playing. Yeah, I, well. I don't know about that for a depth. Maybe I'd go get like a lower name depth guy mm-hmm. there. I wouldn't know. I don't know if I want to spend significant draft capital on an interior guy when you already have yeah. Chris Jones. And Colin Saunders has actually been really good. I This team desperately needs edge help. I would go and invest significantly in that if you have the opportunity. Yeah, and, and I think with the uh, not Colin Saunders injury, um, the Tershawn Morton injury. You're, Morton. you're kind of in a. You're getting more Colin Saunders potentially. You're getting more Derek Nadi on base down stuff like that. So, not a lot of realistic candidates that are gonna move the needle. I think for the Chiefs, but they do have a couple options. Yeah, absolutely. Matt. Yeah, Matt K. He has a bunch of questions. Um, I, I think I lumped a few of them together here at some point. Should we be concerned about the lack of turnovers forced by the Chiefs defense? They're currently tied 26 with two teams behind them having only played five games. Joel, are you concerned? Should people be concerned about that? Not really. Like I I think they I would like to see them force more, certainly. But the defense is playing well when you look like at the season holistically right now. They're not the I don't think they're the problem. So I'm not gonna worry about it. If they were giving up 35 a game and not forcing turnovers, then sure we can have that conversation. But that's kind of what it is right now. Turnovers are already pretty fluky to begin with. So when you look at like a high turnover margin like that, or a team that, that forces a lot of turnovers, that's not necessarily a sustainable thing. It's Mm -hmm. nice to have, but week over week and year over year, that's not going to be something that you can just hang your hat on and hope that you can continue to do that. The chiefs are playing well right now without forcing turnovers. They hit a streak of three or four games or there plus two plus three in turnover margin. Then you're going to feel really good. Um, but I'm, I'm frankly not concerned about that. I think they're playing well despite some deficiencies. Yeah. And I think you're, you're getting some bad luck involved. You're getting yeah. good quarterback play that you're facing. You're getting Willie Gay not there who can help in that department. I think whether it's forced fumbles mm-hmm. or picks, you're getting a lack of pass rush. Like on one hand, it's a valid concern, I think. And, and people could be worried about it, but there's also a perfect storm of reasons why it's not happening. And right. if this is still the case in week uh, 15, 14, 13, 16, by the end of the year, if they still can't force turnovers, okay, maybe it's a problem. Right now, it is a problem, but I don't think it's going to like damn the Chiefs at the end of the year or anything. No, not at all. Zandura or Xander A, I'm not sure which, which way to pronounce this one. Um, my apologies. Do the Chiefs have the worst fourth quarter with a lead offense in the league? A little bit dramatic is in uh, parentheses. Joel, I'm going to let you take this one first. Do you think it's like the worst? Do you think it is a problem? Do you think it's uh, him being facetious? What do you think? I, I think he's being facetious. I mean, we, we've seen some stuff that's a little iffy that, it, you know, the, the, the offense has been up and down for the night. I don't mm-hmm. think that's 
uh, a hot take or anything, but to call it the worst is no, because there are some horrific fourth quarter offenses. So second half offenses that we've seen in the NFL, the chiefs are not one of them. Um, it does seem like there are a few times where they've just tried to sit on a lead and just yep. try and hold on. And I, I watched my, my college team do this Oklahoma state over the weekend where they tried to just sit on a lead with 12 minutes left and pokes play don't ball, stay hot, play ball control and just hang on. And it's not to say that you've got to go and score, especially when you have 15. Like there is no reason to sit on a lead when you have 15. Like just go score because then you can, they can do it at will when they want to, when they flip that switch, they can score at like at any time. It was like too often. They kind of pump the brakes and just let try and play ball control, play it safe. No hashtag score 100. Yeah, I I think it it is underwhelming. That would be a word that I would use for it. Not like problematic, but underwhelming. Um, it was problematic in the AFC championship game. Um, and that's not playing with, you know, a lead or anything. It's playing with fourth quarter situational football. Um, the no killer instinct thing has always been an Andy Reid criticism. I guess he takes his foot off the gas. He parks the bus. Um, part of it is they won't run the ball throughout the game. That hurts them late. I think, um, Mahomes doesn't make the best decisions on RPOs. Reed doesn't make the best decisions. You mentioned you have the best quarterback in football, arguably the best player in football. Don't take the ball out of his hands and call these bubble screens, RPOs. Uh, Don't take the ball out of the best player's hands unless you're going to do a smart run play. Outside zone from the shotgun, not a smart run play with Clyde Edwards-Lair. Don't do that. So is it the worst? No. Is it bottom of the league? No. Is it underwhelming compared to or considering how much personnel and how much talent there is, I think definitely. Yeah, for sure. And we saw a lot in the Bills game, and Matty Lane made a good example of this. Like The offense had already been out of rhythm. You get into one, and then by and then after the touchdown drive, they go quick screen, quick throw, quick throw, like trying to get it out of Mahomes' hands as quickly as possible. It's I don't And even though the, the Bills pass rush was getting there, we saw how Mahomes was able to extend plays and make stuff out of structure work despite all of that so trying to get the ball out of his hands really quickly in space it just it wasn't working and they kept doing it and rather than trying to just let Mahomes make a play and I would lean on that more than anything especially with you know he's Patrick Mahomes like don't don't overthink it don't overthink it yeah it's very easy to overthink but also you would think not too hard to just do the right thing right Um, and Another thing that heading into the year people thought would be fairly easy, Grayson Jaspers, his question is, are there any right tackle options available before the deadline? If so, who and what would you give up? He also kind of brought up Lucas Niang, so I lumped that into two. Um, I think I've seen Isaiah win from New England in terms of just general offensive linemen available on the outside. I think you just ride it out with Wiley and Niang, and you see what happens. Niang isn't going to be ready till thanksgiving anyway i think if he is ready um, maybe even a little bit later than that it's a significant knee injury his window hasn't opened up he hasn't exactly uh shown that he's the guy that even trent mcduffie who people were reporting last week could be ready to go they didn't even activate him so he's you know 10 days into this now of practicing or whatever still not officially activated Niang's not going to be ready for a while i think andrew wiley's fine he was matched up against a top five pass rusher in the conference, maybe even the league this yeah. year in Von Miller. Um, I think 
Andrew Wiley, if he's your worst offensive lineman, you're doing just fine. Right. The problem is Orlando Brown has been bad this year. Um, I think you just ride it out at right tackle with what you have. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it um, and see what's available in free agency or the draft and try and address it there. We thought maybe they tried to address it with Darian Kennard, and he's been inactive mm-hmm. for pretty much the entire season. So he's a little bit not not as far along as they were hoping with Lucas Niang still being on the shelf. Andrew Wiley's been not great, but there's a lot worse you could do, and we've seen how much worse it can be at times when you look at the Super Bowl against the Bucks. So at the end of the day, like they're they're going to be able to hang on and just just hang on for dear life and try and get healthy as much as they can. Yep, uh, Grayson's second question that I lumped in here: What would Justin Ross's role look like at this point in the season if Kansas City had him healthy for this year? Joel, do you think Justin Ross would be doing anything? He probably the I feel like the only time he would probably get on the field is like the Jody Fortson role, like. Yeah line up in the slot or on the, you know, outside on a much smaller corner and just go win, go go win a a rep. It kind of feels like it would be something like that. I don't think you would be fully integrated too much, um, but also MVS has been kind of up and down. Maybe he would take some of those, you know, maybe those 50, 50 balls that Mm -hmm. MVS can't win. Maybe, maybe he goes and wins one of those. Yeah. I think look at sky Moore. (laughs) like a guy who's getting open and who's doing the damn thing. And Mm -hmm. it's just now getting on the field and getting targets. I don't think Justin Ross would really have a role. Like that is a big if of, if he could get back to his freshman year form, if he could get back to his healthy form, Um, if he had stayed healthy, I don't even know if the chiefs would have involved him in the offense. Like I not a big special teams guy, I think he'd be getting a couple targets and he could yeah. make a wild play or something. But you look at Sky Moore, a guy who I think is a more advanced wideout, size notwithstanding, than Justin Ross. Um, I just don't think he'd have a big role. Now, next year, if Justin Ross is healthy and he would have had this season healthy, then you could be talking about a guy who could maybe be even a starter on that team. He'd be, he'd be your he'd be legit ex receiver next year. Exactly. So if he was healthy this year, that helps him in 2023. In twenty twenty in twenty twenty two, rather, I, I don't think he really would have done too much. Yeah, I, I didn't have like I, you know, I, I kind of bought in the hype train just a little because I thought maybe he could help. I mean, especially if he could get back to the form we saw on that national championship team with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the ankle injury or the foot injury sucks, and for a guy that's already dealt with enough injuries, you hate to see that. If he can get back to, to any sort of form, you know, even if he's like 80, 90%, that's still better than a lot of receivers that are being rostered mm-hmm. right now. Um, I think he'll still have an opportunity to, to make an impact at some time next year. I think. Yeah. Gooby 35. If you could add one chief from history at any position to today's team at no cost, who would it be? And why Joel Penfield, you're on the clock. Who would it be? And why? So my first thought was Jamal Charles, but that's too obvious. That like I think I, he would be super dynamic in this offense. Like we we were so close to getting Jamal Charles and Patrick Mahomes. That would have been incredible. Um, but I'm not gonna go that direction. Like I think the running back room is fine. Like I think McKin- the combination of McKenna Pacheco and Clyde, they, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about Derek Thomas, but I think Willie Rofe at left tackle really? would lock things down for this okay. team. I would go Willie Rofe. Um, and that's not, I'm not, that's not me trying to slander Orlando Brown. You can shift into right tackle. Sure. Wiley can be your swing guy. 
and Willie Rofe locks down and doesn't let anyone come near Patrick Mahomes for the rest of the season. I thought when I went through mine, I thought of, will the coaches utilize this guy often enough or the right way? Um, Will the current group improve? I think the offensive line has a good chance of improving, specifically the tackle position. So I stayed away from a tackle. I stayed away from Tyree Kill because I think the wideout group can be better. And if you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you should be able to figure something out. I stayed away from Jamal Charles because I don't know if they'd run the ball enough. I'm going to go Derek Thomas, I think. Yeah. I, I don't well, that have was my number two. pass rush really improving a ton, so I think it's got to be him for me. Yeah, that, that was my number two, but I'm all for protecting 15 at all costs, so that was the, the indicator for me. Sneaky, uh, like under-the-radar guy that I think would be kind of fun in this offense would be Andy Reid trying to utilize Dante Hall. Mm. And then you add him in on the special team side as well as a kick returner, punt returner. That could add another element. That's pretty good stuff. Like, I, I don't want to say what you would hope, like, D'Anthony Thomas would be, or even oh. McCall Hardman to an extent. But like, I think it'd be, like, be electric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think he, Andy Reid would have a ton of fun u- utilizing Dante Hall and, like, manufacturing mm-hmm. touches and just kind of like the way he used Tyreek and just get him yeah. in space and he's going to make people miss in a phone booth. And then you add in the fact that he can return kicks, return punts, that saves Pacheco, that saves McCall. Uh, that would be pretty fun. Willie Rofe is yeah. my number one pick, but I think honorable mention would be Dante Hall. That's pretty good stuff. B Higgs 55. What are the chances slash what would it take for the Chiefs to attempt a Baron Browning-esque transformation on Leo Chanel? Um, I think so. Baron Browning has been like a primary pass rush type player now. Um, that was kind of what I had hoped the Chiefs plan would be with Leo Chanel early on line him up at defensive end, let him be a stand-up pass rusher, get him in on blitz packages, stuff like that. Still seems like a somewhat logical plan, I think. Um, He's a good straight-line athlete. He fights really hard. He had good pass rushing stats. The raw data was good in college. I think it's perhaps like Spags has his blitz packages he's going to use. They involve defensive backs, not him. They don't want to put too much on his plate because he's barely getting snaps and really learning the linebacker spot. Um, low odds, I think, but in terms of like, what would it take? I don't think it would take a ton. Like no. if the Chiefs wanted to make him a sub package pass rush line up at defensive end, line up here, do that type thing. I don't think it would be that hard for him to do. No, he would be, he'd be a ton of fun in that spot because mm-hmm. he's talked about wanting to just be violent and go hit people. Like he's the type of guy that can go and do that. Um, I'm not as adept at trying to figure out defensive schematics and stuff, so I'm not going to dive too far into the weeds with it, but it would be pretty fun. Um, Oklahoma, what I, this is Oklahoma State football is more like where my brain goes, but Oklahoma State <laughs> runs a position. Um, they call it the Leo, and it's mm-hmm. like a roaming edge defensive end linebacker kind of hybrid, and they put edge rushers all over the place. Like their pass rushers just – they can be they can play out like a seven tech. They can play like right behind the nose tackle and stunt. And they just kind of move them all over the place. I think if you put him just in a role where he just kind of moves around all over the place, kind of bad comparison, but kind of what the the what Dallas does with Micah Parsons. Just put him anywhere and let him just go tee off. Uh could be pretty fun with just the athletic profile, the strength, the kind of the willing the willingness to hit would be mm-hmm. pretty fun. All right, picture this. Harrison Bucker lining up for an onside kick. Chiefs just down two points. They need the onside kick. Get the ball back. 
can drive down, get in field goal range. Harrison Bucker can hit another field goal, win the game with just seconds left. The chances of regaining possession, you guys know, nobody gets an onside kick in the NFL. The chances are slim. The stakes are high. The tension's higher. Your pulse is racing. Heart's beating out of your chest. He kicks the ball. You get that feeling. You get that, get that nervous feeling, and you get to watch the ball land. And you can make every play feel that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Man, I'm telling you, they do have some unbeatable offers. Right now, here's what you can do. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if their team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. I am really enjoying the stepped-up same-game parlays when I parlay some uh, yardage props, whether it's the receiving yardage, whether it's the passing yardage with Patrick Mahomes. I've been dabbling in the head-to-head passing yardage uh, categories. Usually you take Patrick Mahomes against anybody, he's going to beat him. So I've really enjoyed doing those props that DraftKings has, and they've got some really fun ones that you can kind of piece together for these same-game parlays with total points, touchdown scores, all kinds of stuff that you can put together to make watching the game just a little bit more fun and to make things even sweeter. You can throw down on these stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's what you got to do. You got to download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. All you got to do is place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KCSN. Remember that code, KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now let's get back to today's show. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Let's pivot to, I think these are all baseball slash non-football questions. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Um, Cigarette Nefresca, if you were the SAR of MLB, how would you fix baseball? Joel, that is a very loaded question, but I'm going to put it all on you. How would you fix baseball? And blackouts. That's like yep. that was my one, number two, one point. That's like one, two, three, and four because it makes mm-hmm. the product more easily consumable and gets it to people like that need to watch the game um, and making it easy to stream, make it easy to find, make it easy to access so that kids and people that don't watch the game casuals can find a way to watch the game. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, just making the game easily accessible because then it's easier to market. Like yeah. that, and that, that kind of leads into the next part of it is find a way to just market the game, make it look cool. We've seen more of that this year, I think, which has been really nice to see. They MLB does a great job of tweeting out the clips and mm-hmm. trying to get people excited about these highlight real plays, these massive home runs, these big hits, 100 mile an hour fastballs, and you know, 98 mile an hour bowling balls and, and stuff like that. That is great. Um, but stop gatekeeping that stuff too, because they, DCMA, like anybody that tries to even post those clips, whereas the NBA is like, no, nah, that's cool. Go ahead, dude. Like, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah and le- that allows content creators like me and other people that they talk about the game nationally to have more access and things like that. And so it, it just boils down to making the game more accessible would be what I would do. Yeah, I think you can make a lot of changes. You can speed up pitch clocks. You can ban the shift. You can do... Um, the automatic strikes and you can do all that stuff on the field, but if people can't see it, it's not going to make a massive difference. I don't think no one is going to see, Oh, baseball is doing this. I'm going to go tune in. Then they can't tune in. <laughs> like it's a yeah. very, 
novel concept. You have to put it out there for people to see, then allow them to see it. So I agree with that. Um, you know, shocking that you and I would ever agree on anything baseball or, or even sports related on a podcast. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, no, not at all. No, I, I tried to stay <laughs> away from trying to fix the game itself because I am yep. a very like I am forward thinking on like the analytical side, sure. but I am a purist of the game and I just want the game to just be the game. I don't want to mess with that too much. I don't think there's too much to change. Really, it's just a matter of making the game more accessible. So people actually think it's cool and, you know, don't think it's dying, which it's not. It's actually doing better than the NBA most years. Um, but mm-hmm. the the lamestream media doesn't want to want you to know that. Yeah. Stay woke, people. Um, Nick wants to know, and I am really interested to get Joel's perspective on this. What do you see as a bigger issue causing lower batting averages, the shift, or too much of a focus on three true outcomes? Okay, so I'm going to cop out of this to answer the question. But answering the question will also get to my general thoughts on this. I think it is the focus on the true outcome, the three true outcomes, the which is for those that are football and maybe more casual baseball fans, that's a strikeout, a walk, or a hit. That is the three true outcomes of baseball because – you're either striking out, you are getting on first base, or you're hitting a home run. There's no defense involved with it. But the focus on the three true outcomes comes from the fact that it is harder to hit a baseball now than ever before. Yep. So I think the reason we're seeing low batting average is because got pitchers are, this is like apex form for pitchers right now. Everybody, not, I, okay, everybody's generalizing. Most pitchers now, are throwing 95 plus the average mate the average fastball has gone up two miles an hour over the last 10 years it's like 94 95 now whereas it was 91 92 like 10 years mm-hmm. ago so quickly pitchers have figured out how to throw a how to throw harder and then how to throw some of the nastiest shit out there guys are throwing 100 mile an hour bowling balls in that start on the middle of the plate and break into the right hand batter's box along with a slider that breaks from the middle of the plate to the other batter's box and change up and split and a cutter and like it's ridiculous go just go follow pitching ninja if you need if you think that i'm in the wrong on this hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports pitchers have made it harder so if i'm a hitter why would i try and get to a 2-2 count with a guy i'm just gonna go and swing out of my ass and try yep. and hit the ball 400 feet because i don't want to get to his nasty secondary pitch if he gives me a fastball in a spot, I'm going to try and park it. And if I swing and miss, okay, then I'm going to try and do it the next time. So that's where the emphasis on it has come from. Not because the anal- like even if the analytics say a home run is great, quite cool. That's a, it's a straw man argument, in my opinion, that people just try and blame it on analytics when it's really because this guy on the mound has a 99 mile an hour sinker, a 98 mile an hour fastball, a 92 mile an hour slider, and a 90 mile an hour changeup. Like, it's ridiculous. Like just go watch some of these guys pitch. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Like that. That's why guys are just trying to hit home runs right now. I don't, I don't think the shift being banned will have the impact. People think it will. No, it'll have some, like a lot of the, you know, hard hit ground balls to the right side. Sure. They'll get through, but over the course of the full season, it's not going to change a dude from 245 to, 270 like it'll be 255 or something like that Mm -hmm. it'll have some impact but not a lot it's really just until hitters are able to catch up and try and counteract the nasty stuff the pitchers are able to throw right now that's what it is just this is a very pitcher um pitcher dominated era 
right now, even with the juice ball and the home run and home runs coming at a record clip. Pitchers are still not finding ways to dominate. Yeah, and I was going to say it's about the pitching. Like the three true outcomes, sure, that's part of it. Um, you can blame analytics all you want. Pitching's just as good now as it ever has been, dude. They're, they're it's better so than good. it's ever been. It, they're so athletic, too. And like you can make this case with the NBA or even the NFL. People are just different now. They've evolved. Like They are better, mm-hmm. more athletic. They're faster. They're stronger. They have more data. They have the biomechanical machines. They have the labs. They have everything at their fingertips they need to be dominant players. And like, that's why you have like a Zach Grinky of the world where like, he yeah. doesn't have all that right now, but he's still one hell of an athlete. And mentally he's had so much experience that he knows how to get by people. Still. I appreciate that just as much as I appreciate the guy throwing a hundred miles an hour, but it's like, take your pick. You're either going to have the guy who will study his ass off and beat you and knows how to control his stuff, even if it's not overpowering, or you have a guy who just throws overpowering shit, or you have both. There's a ton Mm -hmm. of people with both, and then you don't stand a chance. And we're going to talk about here in a little bit um, some players that we would add to the Royals that probably fit that description. It's just a different world right now. It's a different game. It's you know dead ball, normalized ball, juice ball, whatever you want to go with. It's just different now. And that is like a simple answer, but I think that's really where it's at. Yeah, it, there it is a lot more complicated than just the shift or guys yeah. trying to swing for the fences. Like it, there is way more to it than that. Um, and I don't want to downplay the person's question. I think they're asking sure. a complete, complete no, valid question, and I totally understand it. Uh, but there's just more to it than than the question presents. Yeah, Zach Semenarax, our good friend Peter, best and worst shot you personally hit in the KCSN tournament. Um, That was such a fun time, man. It was great. The tournament was amazing, man. I, the tournament I was so freaking fun. It, it was great. The, the drink specials, the camaraderie, the, the setup. I was telling BJ, you wouldn't have been able to tell if you didn't like tell somebody or if you didn't know that it was the first time that KCSN threw that. Yeah. It literally seemed like an invitational every year that they, they treated you like you'd been there before. You knew you'd been there before. It was seamless. I thought it was great. It was such a cool community and to meet some of our subscribers yep. that, that consume our content. Um, but not a lot of people knew who I was, but I also do the baseball stuff, so I understand that. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was really cool to get to interact with them, have some fun, shoot the shit, talk some shit, because I was sitting on – I didn't play, but I was sitting on the 13th hole um, just talking trash. Oh, I was there and, hearing it. Yeah. You know, it, it was having a I, – I was out there having a good time, and it was such a cool event to be able to, to raise the money that we did through the raffle mm-hmm. and through the entries and all that. Uh, for the KCSN Foundation, it was, was awesome. I can't wait for next year already. It was awesome. Yeah. And Joel mentioned the subscribers. That is where these questions come from. So guys, subscribe to the KCSN Substack. You're getting daily updates on the Chiefs. You're getting a bunch of stuff from the KC Lab guys, Kent, Craig, and Maddie, writing phenomenal pieces. You're getting all the updates, all the news, all the analysis. 30 bucks a year is going to get you covered for that. Link is in the podcast notes or the YouTube description if you want to sign up. Get access to the Discord. Then you can ask good questions that we pick out and answer on 21 questions and you get man literally a billion channels of literally anything you there can think to talk to someone everything. about it's ridiculous there, there's a channel about how great craig is and it, it's just and craig the best is thing pretty ever. great K- K- craig yeah. is pretty great yeah craig is great um the best shot 
I had a nice drive on like hole three or four. We started on like 15, I think. So it was a little weird remembering where we were. Um, I, I kind of, I don't drive the ball very far. I like to think I'm a fairway finder, even though I'm really not, because I'm going to contradict myself here in a minute. <laughs> I'd hit a nice couple shots right down the middle of the fairway, set my team up to play it aggressively. It still worked out. Um, I, I called my shot twice off the tee box. One of them, I was like, man, I think I'm going to hit this one in the water. And I was like trying to psych myself out of doing it and then hit it straight into the water. Then another one, my drive went clear across to the other fairway on, I want to say 17, um, 16 or 17. Oh, no. So hit some good shots, hit a nice putt. Other than that, bunch of bad shots too. So I said I didn't play. I was working the uh, one of the hole-in-one par threes. Uh, it was number 13, the $10,000 hole-in-one. Uh, the best shot probably was Peter, who shockingly enough is the golf pro at Sunflower Hills. So there's that. Um, he, he hit a, a pretty good ball, um, you know, high side of the green. Uh, you know, above the, it was above the hole on a downhill slope. So kind of tough. Um, we also had another guy hit one to about 15 feet below the hole set his team up for a birdie which was pretty nice um the worst shot uh, i'm someone, excited to hear this someone sliced it if you if you played the the course there's like that pond on the far right side on the other side me? of the the team no wasn't you okay. um <laughs> no no wasn't you um somebody snap snap like sliced one into the pond on the other side of 14's tee boxes um, it was impressive to hit one. Nice. Like I, I sliced the ball a lot. That was probably yeah. the worst one. There was also a father son duo, um, in the, the foursome where dad's trying to get help. The, the son is maybe about my age, maybe a little older and try and get him lined up. And he ducked it and it barely went past the ladies tees. Mm. And they're so like, we're all talking shit. We're all having a great time. And then dad gets up there after razzing his son about it and did the exact same thing and barely got past the ladies tees I twice. Love that. So it's the ultimate golf troll of like, you don't write checks. You can't cash before you hit after you hit, then you can write that check. Um, that guy clearly did not. And so that was a pretty fun interaction there. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about one of our sponsors here. And that is liquid death. Look, you might be in a meeting you might be at work, you might be sitting at your desk, and you might see one of your coworkers start to crack open a 9 a.m., crack open a tall boy. You're thinking, what in the world is going on here? I love company culture, but I don't know if that's really a part of it. But then you look over, you start to look a little bit more closely. It's wide. It's got a gold little rim. That's not, that's not beer. It's actually a new mountain spring water brand called Liquid Death. And if you guys have been listening to KC Sports Network, you know why is it called Liquid Death? Because it brutally murders your thirst. That is right. It will quench that sucker. And not only is it brutally murdering your thirst, it is brutally murdering plastic pollution. They're infinitely recyclable. Tall boy aluminum cans. Uh, they're incredible. They recycle them and they, they can use those over and over. Unlike plastic bottles where there's plastic pollution uh, everywhere. I hate plastic pollution. You hate plastic pollution. It is, it is our common enemy. Here in Chiefs Kingdom uh, is plastic pollution and the bills. So when you're looking at this, they also donate 10% of their profits of every can sold to, to help end plastic pollution. So not only are you drinking good water, you're also giving a little bit to a good cause as well. And listen, I love Liquid Death. Can't keep it in the house no matter what kind it is. If it's the 
still water, if it's the sparkling water, or the three flavors that they have, the berry, the mango, the lime, all three are excellent. Trust me, I know my sparkling water. I know my seltzers. They're incredible. I do love those so very much. And if you're looking to get your hands on some, you can find it at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. You can also find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Now let's get back to the show. That's fantastic. Um, I Matt K is our next question. He asked one about like how many Bloody Marys can you drink or are you supposed to before you spill a drink on your pants? So my guy. The, yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I had to leave early. I didn't attend dinner around hole 12, I want to say. Um, Connor Christofferson, who who writes for Arrowhead Report, good good buddy of mine. He was in our our scramble team. We hit a huge bump, and like I had p- just picked up my Bloody Mary. Never had a Bloody Mary before. I kind of liked it. Um, oh spilled God. it all over myself. It was absolutely terrible. I looked like I urinated my pants. Um, I went up to. Were you on thirteen? I was on thirteen. Yeah. So I pulled up to thirteen. And Matt K was like, oh, did you pee yourself? I was like, well, I, I kind of wish that would have been the story because it'd be funnier almost. Um, made me feel a little less embarrassed and, oh, I just can't handle my liquor after, you know, a sip of a Bloody Mary and a little fireball cocktail or whatever. But we hit this huge bub, spilled it all over myself. Um, needless to say, Matt K's actual question here, who is your starting nine for the Royals next year? Joel, did you put this in like, I did it in lineup form, and I, so I, I didn't probably do it didn't in lineup form. To. I so I didn't do it in lineup form. I just did it as what I think they the starting. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I went try hard be. mode, and I didn't really need to do it. Okay, so catcher Salvi, first base Vinny, second base Massey, shortstop Bobby, third base Nate Eaton, okay. left field MJ Melendez, Drew Waters in center, Edward Olivares um, in right field, and then Nick Prado DHing. Okay, I, I did. I did a lineup, and I have a couple differences. I went based on what I think they're going to do, not based on what I would do. Okay, I, um, I did it with what I would do. Okay. Melendez leading off, Witt Jr. at third. I'm sorry, Melendez is in left field. Witt Jr. at third. He's batting two-hole. Perez catching at three. Pasquantino DHing at four. Edward Olivares right field at five. Nick Prado first base at six. Adalberto Mondesi shortstop at seven. I'm iffiest on that one. Michael Massey, second base at eight. And Drew Waters, center field at nine. I, I, I really could see Montessi being DFA'd. I really could, but I just I, I, could, I, I, I don't, don't think, think they're going to do it. I think they're, they should they're not DFA. Sorry, non-tender. That's what they I meant. They should non-tender him, but they're not. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he starts. Like I think I he, they, they're like, look, you're going to be a bench guy that's going to play. You would hope so. <laughs> you would hope, man. But we're we'll, and you and I will talk about this because if you're listening mm-hmm. to this and didn't listen to the last one Royal Way episode, Jordan and I are doing the show together now. So yep. not rotating guests like I did this past year. Just came a pain in the ass. I needed a true co-host here. So Jordan's that guy. We're going to talk more about that. And I think that's going to be one of our next episodes is we're going to talk about the non-tender candidates. I dig it. And the and whether where Mondesi actually fits in because like I hate it for the guy. Um especially because this was kind of the year where he really needed to prove himself. And then he turns his ACL two weeks in. Um, Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. 
Christian Gumminger, really good question. I, I like this one. I, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to try to. When purchasing a victory cigar, what should you look for? Um, I think first and foremost, cost is a big deal. Because like, I like cigars, but I'm not a snob yet. So my little Flor de Oliva Maduros are like $3.99, $4.99. I'm like, cool, I'll pick up five, whatever. Um, cost first and foremost, familiar names secondly. Then my favorites... The aforementioned Florida de Oliva Maduro, a Macanudo is pretty good, the just basic ones. Um, Arturo Fuente, I think is what it's called. I like those. Um, Monte Cristo. There's like a Buffalo something that I had the other day. I forget what the last part of it was. Buffalo something. Buffalo, I don't know what it's called, but it was really good. And it was like 13 bucks. So I was like, eh, it's, it's pretty expensive, but I do like it. I did buy a little humidor box. Um, I haven't filled it up quite yet, getting in the process of that. Joel, do you smoke cigars? If so, what are kind of your go-tos? So I do like cigars um, every once in a while. I don't have a preference. Sure. Um, normally, it's I'm already hanging out with a friend that is a cigar guy, and they just hand me one, and I'm like, cool. That's, it's like the best type like, of beer is a free one kind of type thing. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, or an open one, <laughs> yeah, whichever. I, but I kind of uh, what I will say is, in the times that I have had cigars, I like stuff that is a lot like kind of has more sweeter notes to it. Like I'm drinking Jameson right now. I like a good Irish whiskey that has some of those vanilla caramel sweeter notes. So something kind of similar um, on the the cigar side as well is kind of where I sit. Um, but I'm gonna get into it a little bit more eventually. Um, actually, the, the liquor store that's kind of close to my house has a gigantic humidor now. Um, inside where there's a pretty good uh, pretty good selection of cigars. So I'm going to get into it eventually uh, where I actually have my own. But it's it's kind of a nice thing to have. Everyone's like, yeah, you have like a nice, neat bourbon and a cigar yeah. by a fire. It just feels good, manly, like just, an, like just a nice testosterone boost to have those two things, yeah. you know? Yeah, especially if you got it from Macadoodles, I think that's yes. even the best. And like they're not on the Kansas side over here yet in our neck of the woods, but – the lease on the opening, I checked on Thursday night. Um, the announcement's happening soon. They're supposed to be opening this month or very soon. I'm excited about that. Um, two more questions, then we're going to get out of here. Leighton Y44, when would you expect the Royals to make the playoffs next? Joel, I feel like we're on the same wavelength here. Like, maybe 2024, but like yep. that's without seeing what the hell they do this offseason. Right. I think 2024 with the current at the earliest, right? At the earliest with the current group in place, I think could be. Um, based on maybe who they who they decide to go and hire uh, as the manager, which we're starting to hear some rumblings of uh, who it possibly could be. Um, as they're doing their interviews. Seems like the guy that they are probably gonna go with. I've heard good things, so that makes me excited. But yeah, I think I think twenty three they could be interesting, kind of frisky, sneaky, um, kind of like Baltimore was this past year. And then twenty twenty four, you really feel like they have an opportunity. Twenty twenty five, like if you're not winning, then I don't know when something's ever going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Lee eighty seven. I'm including the whole question. I absolutely love this. Um, Joel parentheses and Jordan, but no idea who Jordan is. Is he a college guy? <laughs> if you could reassemble the Royals coaching staff and roster with one player and coach from each of the following teams, who would it be? He lists the Mariners, Rays, Dodgers, and Phillies. Lee 87. Um, I, I told Joel, I'm like I follow college, like football, basketball, all that good stuff. If I had to rank like all the like guys that I am, probably football guy first, 
basketball slash baseball guy, golf guy, degenerate guy, then probably college guy. So um, I also don't know who Jordan is, but Joel, I'm thinking let's go players first. Okay. I'm going to list my four. Okay. Seattle, you already know. I'm going to Julio Rodriguez. The, the kid's electric. I love him. Um, Shane McClanahan from the Rays, I think. Um, I like Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers. I almost went Trey Turner. Then Aaron Nola from the Phillies. We're pretty close <laughs> on this. I'm going surprise, Julio. Surprise. I'm going Julio. Um, yeah. That guy locking down center field, like you and you, and the thought of Julio and Bobby in the same lineup just good luck. Oh man, uh, for the Rays, I went with McClanahan as well. Uh, I thought about Wander, but I'll go, I'll go McClanahan just to lock down a rotation spot from the Dodgers. Man, there's so, there's so many, but I'm gonna, I honestly go with Mookie. Like you put Mookie okay. in right field, I like field. Mookie a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go, I'll go Mookie. Um, he kind of shut me up this year. We had a conversation preseason. I'm like, this dude yeah. might be the most overrated player in baseball. And then he shut me the hell up by being a back to being a top seven to eight player in sport. Um, and then for the Phillies, I thought about Nola, but I'm gonna go Wheeler. I do, Zach Wheeler I is not appreciated. Yep. Zach Wheeler is not appreciated enough for how damn good he is. Sub three ERA in uh, in Philly. A runner-up for the Cy Young last year, going to be a top-five Cy Young this year. Absolutely shoved in Game One of the NLCS. Um, you get that guy in the rotation would be pretty fun. If I had to go honorable mentions, um, I'll go through each team. Um, George Kirby for the Mariners, yep. mm-hmm. um, for the or Andres Munoz, I think kind of fits into that as well. Just a lockdown bullpen guy. Dodgers, I think Freeman is a pretty good one, or Trey Turner for the Rays. Wander. Uh, or a um, God, who is the guy that I just I just blanked? Some of the I'll forget it. Joel Penfield, uh, I, whoever it was. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, for the Phillies, I mean Bryce. How can you not? Yeah, I, I thought Harper? about Bryce. Yeah, but I'll, I'll again I'll I'll take a rotation spot and you, have, you give me McClanahan and Wheeler at the top of rotation for the coaches. Yeah. Christopher Negrone, first base coach for okay. um, for the uh, Mariners. He's a guy that's kind of been floated as a potential candidate. I don't know how realistic it is. I think he's still a couple years away, but a guy that's going to be a big league manager sometime soon uh, for the race. Just give me Kevin cash. Like, I'll just take that. That's fine Yeah. Uh, for the Dodgers. Just whoever the hell runs their pitching. Just give me that guy. And then for the Phillies, Dusty Wathen, who is that's I'm probably butchering his last name, but he's the third base coach. He has a, reportedly interviewed or is going to be interviewed by the Royals. Uh, by all accounts, he's a really good dude, uh, really knows his stuff, well-regarded in that organization. Definitely, if he becomes the Royals manager, I'm going to be pretty happy. Yeah. I went Dusty Waffen for Philly. I went Clayton McCullough for LA. I know that he's been linked to the First, Royals. Oh, that, that was the guy. Yeah. He, he is another guy that's being linked to the job, too. Yeah. I went uh, Matt Quicharo for Tampa, the bench coach for them. I went... Is is Max uh, is it Max something? I think Lesky mentioned he's the pitching coordinator for Seattle, and like I ran yeah, out of pitching guys. Right. Max Weiner, Max Weiner, whatever his last name is. 
Yeah, that sounds about I, right. I another guy to think of. What's another guy to think of? What Seattle's Maniacta because he's been a big league mm-hmm. manager before. Uh, he's the third base coach there, but he's been the big. He's been the third base coach there for a long time, so he maybe just is kind of content to be uh, an assistant. Yeah, but that's another name to consider as well on the Mariners side. I dig it, dude. Joel, any uh, any final thoughts? I guess that's my last question for you. No. I'm- I'm chilling, man. Thank you for having me on. I'm going down to Stillwater, America this weekend for for homecoming, heading hitting up uh, Boone Pickens Stadium for OSU Texas, and uh, saw those horns off. And hey, let's have a good weekend. There you go, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I, I'm a little bit under the weather, so I hope that wasn't a massive uh, deterrence. I know that me and Kent Swanson have been coughing it up all week, but thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Macadoodles, DraftKings, Liquid Death everybody for all their efforts and Joel for coming on guys have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.